Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to our episode of podcast from Rotowire, the signature NHL hockey pod from the home office in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, I'm talking to my co-host, A.J. Scholes, who's a great follow at A.J. Scholes24. He's based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. For me, the Statsman, you can find me at Statsman22 on the Twitter sphere, and we look forward to getting your comments every week. There's been some good ones so far this year. Keep them coming, folks. Uh, we're up about a quarter of the way through the season, AJ, and uh, we got a list of 12 rookies that have got at least 10 points so far this year. Why don't we have a take a look at the rookie class and get your impressions of who's caught your eye and uh, something notable that you might see in terms of some some uh, distance between the draft year and when they actually made their debuts. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously uh, the big name is, is Matty Beneers for Seattle. Um, first uh, in 2021, 18 points to start the year, leading the way um, seems to be a strong candidate for the Calder at this point in time. So we'll, we'll see if that holds. Um, he doesn't have a huge lead, um, but certainly he's, he's ahead and then from there, you got a few guys that have been, uh, you know, taken a little longer to get uh, to this point. Uh, Matthias uh, Maselli uh, out of Arizona, Fabian Zetterlin for the Devils, Kent Johnson for uh, Columbus, and then uh, Mason McTavish out of Air- uh, Anaheim round out uh, kind of the top five. Uh, although there's a number of guys drawn in there at, at 11 points, good, good chunk of guys at 11. So, yeah, you know, when you look at uh, Maselli, 2019 pick, Zetterlin, 17, uh, Kalen Addison is an 18. So a couple guys that have had a little bit more time to develop. And so I really think, to me, it speaks to, you know, the individual player and, and kind of what they need. You're talking about uh, Matty Beneers obviously jumps right in. He was clearly ready to go. Seven goals, 11 helpers to, to start the season, but some of these other guys. So you know, it makes it a little bit, in my opinion, a little bit more difficult uh, for, you know, league brass who's who's ready to go right away, who needs some more time. And even then, you know, you can't totally pin it down. Well, you know, the late round guys need more time. Um, you know, Maselli, yeah, he was a fourth rounder. Um, but, you know, Callan Addison was a second rounder in 18. So, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to pin down and it, it, it speaks to kind of the the team by team basis. The other kind of interesting thing that caught my eye here is the number of guys from Buffalo in this, you know, this top group here, you've got uh, JJ Paterka, uh, Owen Power, Jack Quinn, all kind of different spots um, overall. But I think in this case, they're benefiting from the fact that they're all kind of coming in together at the same time and able to kind of work together and build together here. So that's, that's kind of what stood out to me, Paul. I'm not sure if you, see something differently or, or anybody else you want to talk about from this group? Well, there are of the 12 names. Certainly there's about seven of them that came from first round drafts. And, and that's where I want to start my thoughts, AJ. There's a handful of guys here that were second, third, and, and Michelli's an interesting case, a fourth round pick, but he played overseas in Finland for a couple of years before he came into the NHL this season. And he's made his mark as a first liner in Arizona. You spoke to the notion that, Certainly, Beneers, Michelli, and the Buffalo guys are getting opportunity because the rosters are fairly thin relative to the teams that dot the top of the overall standings, and that's quite expected. But then you got a guy like Cale Addison, Kalen Addison, who has made the jump in Minnesota, and we've spoken about that uh, 
profile of that club for years as a defenseman factory. And he's the highest uh, scoring defenseman so far of the rookie class with 11 points tied with a few other guys for fourth overall in the rookie scoring race. I have my eye on Mason McTavish, though. I think he's a guy that's going to close the gap more than any other on Matty Beneers. I know you picked Beneers as your consensus uh, Calder Trophy winner at the beginning of the season. That looks like a great call right now. But I think McTavish is a guy that's going to close the gap. Anaheim has picked up their game most recently. We'll talk about them very shortly when we get into our sweep of the 32 teams. And I have plenty to say on on a couple of guys there. Uh, But uh, for me, also in Buffalo, they remind me of the Maple Leafs when they bottomed out a few years ago. They uh, drafted well. They hit on a couple of top picks. And uh, Buffalo has that same look this year with three players in the top 12, as you implied. Uh, they they are one of the teams that have the most players in, in the top scoring rookies with uh, Quinn, Power, and uh, Paterka in the mix. Power was a first overall pick in 2021, so he took an extra year and looks like he's benefited from that experience as well. There are another bunch of rookies that have really struggled to make it, make their way. Nick Robertson here in Toronto not getting much of a sniff of ice time even on a regular basis. I think that has a lot more to do with the fact the Leafs are rolling and I had to get that in early. I'll get it in often today, AJ, because my <laughs> team hasn't been this hot for a long time, almost since last November, and that's a disturbing trend that they peak early in in a sense, but uh, to complete the thoughts here on on the kids that are making their mark, I also have my eye on Cole Perfetti in Winnipeg. You know, for years we've been profiling the Jets as a team that had one of the best top sixes in the NHL. Paterka's managed to crack. Uh, I mean, pa- sorry, Paterka, uh, pa- the Perfetti has cracked that top six in Winnipeg, and I think his scoring pedigree is going to keep him there for a long time. So he's another guy that I think will round up my top three, if I if I may narrow it down with McTavish and Beneers. So I think that's my top three at the end of the season. Offensively, uh, keep an eye out for Jake Sanderson on defense in Ottawa. That's another team that's got a couple of guys in the mix here, but I think Ottawa's in for a tough year. And uh Highlighting Jake Sanderson's point totals might be something that we are compelled to do every week because there might be not too much to talk about other than that uh, going forward. Uh, That said, partner, uh, let's go into our sweep of the 32 teams, our news and notes makers. Uh, I'll start us off this week with a look at that club, Anaheim, the Ducks. Uh, Mason McTavish, I said he he is in the top rookie scorer. He's got two goals for this club in the past week, picking up his pace. Trevor Zegers continues to be a puck distributor uh, among the tops in the NHL in that category. And uh, on the season now, he's got 20 points in 22 games. So uh, really uh, a breakout campaign in store for him. I think he's going to keep at that pace all season long. And uh, bully for you if you picked him in your drafts. You probably waited a little while, and that was appropriate. But I think he's going to be a top draft choice going forward in the next couple of years as he cements his place as one of the top youngsters in the NHL very soon. So uh, that's the positive news on the front end. And the back end, even better, Cam Fowler was a guy that we both expressed a little bit of concern earlier on, AJ, but uh, he's got uh, point, uh, a bundle of points in his last seven games played. I think he's got 10 points overall, and he only had one before that. So rounding into form in a big way and really the power play quarterback on the on this club, he's in for a lot of points because I think that's – where this team will shine all season long with the youngsters uh, freewheeling on with the extra man on the ice. Over in Arizona, a decent week for a couple of guys. Nick Schmaltz with three goals 
and one assist. Shane Gostisbehere with four helpers. Larson Kraus stepping up with a trio of goals. And this team has looked uh, marginally better of late. You look at their last 10 games, 4-4-2 four, four, and two is the record. Um, obviously, the interesting part for Arizona is they've only played uh, four games at home so far, most of their games coming uh, away from home. So uh, the back half of the schedule will be a little bit more home heavy. Maybe that'll help them add some additional games here. But, uh, you know, for, for this week, uh, just a couple of guys to, to highlight there uh, that really, you know, potentially could put themselves in positions to be moved uh, at some point down the stretch. Obviously, that's going to be kind of the main focal point with this Arizona team, unless they have some sort of surprise comeback here. Um, you know, for his part, Goss's pair is a key, uh, a key piece that could be moved. He'll be a UFA next season. So if he continues to rack up assists, um, there could be some offers uh, coming their way. You know what, in Boston, we've talked a lot about the first line, of course, one of the best lines in hockey, as long as Bergeron and Marchand are playing together, it really almost doesn't matter who's filling in the, that group, uh, J- Jake DeBrusque, is getting a long look there this season. But we haven't spent a lot of time talking about their second line. And that bears discussion because David Pasternak is coming, coming back to the fold after playing back in his homeland for a couple of years. Uh, has really boosted the fortunes uh, of this grouping and uh, taken some pressure off that top line as he's scoring almost at a point per game pace since his return to the league. 17 points in 18 games played. And uh, that's where... David Pasternak's been playing on his wing and and allowed the Bruins to spread the wealth offensively rather than put all their eggs in one basket. And Pasternak, for his part, hasn't missed a beat at all with 32 points to lead this club by a good margin with 32 and 21 games played. Rounding out that grouping, uh, another guy that came over from another club last year in New Jersey, Pavel Zaka. He has been slow to start in terms of putting the puck in the net, but he has 11 assists to go with those three goals. So a credible 14 points so far. That puts him on a pace for about 55 points, if I do my math correctly. And who wouldn't want a second-line winger that's a 55- to 60-point shooter? So that insulates the top six and gives them the opportunity to, to even uh, put a, guy, a couple of guys on the third line that would be top sixes in most other teams, Taylor Hall and Charlie Coyle, uh, surrounding Tra- Frederick. But uh, Frederick's nicked up right now, so that, that's a bit of a concern going forward. If they're missing him, they're missing some toughness as well in this lineup. And uh, goes along with Craig Smith being out of the lineup, another serviceable guy. So really, the Bruins, when they're healthy, they'll have three solid lines. Of the, not too many p- teams around the league will uh, be able to match up with them. And it's no wonder they're uh, at the top of the NHL standings. And they look like a good bet to stay there as long as that uh, nine-man unit up front stays intact. I think nothing speaks to kind of the youth that's going on in Buffalo by their swings this season. They start off really well. They had the long extended losing streak. And then they come back this last week. They come out and they absolutely dominate Montreal 7-2. Same with a 6-2 win over the Blues, who are a playoff caliber team. Uh, 3-1 loss to, to New Jersey, not a terrible loss. And then an overtime loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning when they put five goals in against the Lightning. So really, this team just kind of wild swings in terms of where they are. And that speaks to the youth here. They added a piece just recently in in claiming Tyson Yost off waivers from Minnesota. He had some okay seasons uh, with Colorado, but in the grand scheme of things, never has reached the 30-point mark. He was a 10th overall pick in 2017, so pretty disappointing uh, 
in that sense. Last year, after being traded to Minnesota, he gets six points in 21 games, starts this year with just three helpers in 12 games before lands on waivers for a, a move to the minors and gets picked up by Buffalo. In terms of the guys that did produce offensively this last week, big week by Jeff Skinner, five goals, three assists, Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, both picking up six points as well. So this, this team has offensive talent. Uh, the goaltending defensive side of the puck is going to leave a little bit something to be desired, I think, for much of the season. Uh, so there are opportunities when you look at their matchups to maybe utilize some of these guys in terms of DFS or even keeping them on your season long. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter in season long fantasy if the Sabres win or not. If Jeff Skinner's got eight points in four games, he's worth having on your team. AJ, in Carolina, they've only won three of their last 10 games in regulation. They lost four in extra time, and uh, and uh, so the, they're not optimal right now, and that's a surprise for a team that we both thought would be at the top of the standings. Big reason why Freddie Anderson's still out of the lineup and not close to return from what I'm hearing anyway, and that's opened the door for one Peter, Fyodor Kochetkov to make six appearances, and he looked okay. He's got a 233 goals against average, a 913 save percentage. Those numbers aren't bad, but the offense is not really really clicking right now. They're certainly missing Toivo Teravainen. He's close to a return to bolster the top six. That'll cost Stefan Noison a bit of a time on the ice, but he'll move back to a third-line role. I'm intrigued that they're giving Jesperi Kotkaniemi a look at center on the Second line, I've maligned this guy since he came into the NHL. He's been overrated, in my opinion. He has responded with points in the last two games. I'll just wait and see if he can keep it up and maybe be able to say something more positive about him if he does on a go-forward basis. Over in Calgary, they have to be one of the healthiest teams in the league right now when you consider they've got uh, Michael Stone back. The only piece they're really missing, which we haven't had a lot of details about, is Oliver Shillington, who's away from the team. Uh, for what they listed as personal reasons, no idea if or when he might be back. But they got Stone back on the back end. He jumps in, picks up an assist in his first game back. They don't have any injuries in the goaltending or forward ranks right now, so they're really able to kind of start rolling and doing, uh, you know, doing some things and hopefully moving themselves up into possibly a playoff spot. Looking offensively, not exactly uh, the best week for them. When you consider uh, no player had more than one point in, in the last uh, last three games here for Calgary. Um, so a little bit of a slow side there uh, overall for them. And then, of course, you know, Jonathan Huberto continues to kind of underwhelm here. He's one of those guys that just had one point uh, in the last three games and only three shots on net. So that's a bit more of a concern uh, for those fantasy uh, managers out there with Huberto on their lineups. You know what the trouble is with Chicago is that they just don't have the goaltending AJ. So they're winless in seven games, despite the fact that some guys on offense are putting up some decent numbers. The good news for Chicago is that two of them are their uh, old stars who are on uh, big contracts and will be the subject of much trade speculation. I'm talking about Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. We know Patrick Kane is going to be the leading scorer on this club. Uh, year in, year out. He's continuing to do it again this year. But Jonathan Taves has picked it up of late. He's got eight goals and 13 points suddenly in 21 games after a bit of a slow start. And he's the subject of big-time rumors in the trade market already. So you wonder how early they might be able to pull a couple of these moves off. It'll require them retaining probably half the salary of that $10 million plus cap hit that each of these guys has. Along with them, though, uh, 
Max Domi is on pace for a 50-plus point season. I was hoping that uh, the local club here in Toronto would take a look at him as a depth piece, but uh, he certainly is making the most of, of uh, an audition opportunity that I think a number of teams will be looking at the trade line, deadline to see if he can keep it up and keep his nose clean in terms of being uh, less uh, a minimal distraction in other ways that he uh, Get gains notoriety around the around the league. Jared Tenorti is another guy who's improved his profile with five points on the season. That's not a lot, but he's a defensive minded defenseman, and he only has a minus three rating. So that tells you he's doing something different from most of the other cl- players on his team who have much worse. Uh, plus minus, but he's day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. The hope for him is that he gets back in the lineup and continues to raise his profile going forward. That's the name of the game for a lot of guys in Chicago. Tyler Johnson, an interesting note there to AJ. He's been on the sidelines for a while, and the veteran is close to a return. We're thinking about a week or so away. Maybe he can join some of these guys that are uh, lighting it up offensively and uh, take some of the pressure off the netminders who are really under siege right now. Well, if Calgary is fully healthy, the Blue Jackets are the walking wounded right now. You've obviously got, you know, Wierinski out for the year. Alex Texier is playing overseas. Merz Lickens, Line, um, Bean, Boquist, all those guys out until at least December. Uh, Merz Lickens, uh, I said Merz Lickens. It's, it's an unending list here is the, is the moral <laughs> of the story here for them. And I think that's really stretched their depth and why you're seeing them really struggle Johnny Gaudreau, probably the lone bright spot for them this past week. Four points in three games. You've got Kent Johnson with two, Gustav Nyquist with a pair of helpers. Um, So they're really just not uh, having a lot of offensive uh, production here. They've been one of the worst teams in terms of goals allowed all season. So if you're not producing offensively and you're not stopping goals from going in, it's uh, pretty much the ultimate recipe for disaster in the NHL. And it's going to be a long Long season, I think, for Blue Jackets fans. Well, it's going to be a long season for Colorado, AJ, but that's because we both expect them to go on another long playoff run. When you consider the fact they're missing two guys from their top six in Landeskog and Nechushkin, they'll be missing Landeskog until the new year, but Nechushkin has shed his crutches and he should be back practicing very soon. So that's a, a boost. And they might get another one from an unexpected source as Alex Galchenyuk has signed with the big club after putting up a point-per-game pace over a seven-game tryout with the Colorado Eagles in the AHL. So that's some really unexpected news and what this team needs, right? Another offensive piece to add to the mix up front. So uh, the news is mostly good here, except for the injuries, of course. And when you talk about the injury situation, they might be a little bit concerned with the situation around Bowen Byram, a young defenseman that they hope to have for a long, long time in the fold here. He's dealing with a lower body hurt right now, considered day-to-day, but uh, might be missing in action for most of the rest of this week. Well, big news out of Dallas this morning is that Rupe Hintz has signed an eight-year, $67.6 million contract extension that will keep him with the club through the 2030-31 season. Obviously, uh, a, a big signing for them to get, uh, you know, the, the you know, kind of 26-year-old um, under contract for basically, you know, the bulk of his prime years here. Um, you might, obviously, you, an argument maybe could be made that the first year or two would be a bit of an overpay. I really don't think so, but I could see that argument. But by the end of this deal, if the cap uh, salary cap continues to go up, you would imagine – uh, that at the you know towards the end it would be more of a discount in terms of the on ice production this past week 
They were led by Jason Robertson, five goals in four games, plus another two helpers there. You've got Jamie Benn with six points, Miro Heiskanen with four. So their top kind of guys are producing as expected. This is another team that's really healthy right now um, and and moving in the right direction. They're obviously, uh, you know, in the top spot here in the central. No real sign that they're going to give that up. I think for the most part, uh, their biggest contender will probably come from Colorado and whether or not they can chase them down here. Uh, Colorado has four less games played, so obviously that factors in as well. But Dallas, I think, will continue to be at least in the top two uh, spots here in the Central for a little bit. And uh, you mentioned teams that are in the top, maybe in a playoff position. The most surprising for me in the early going is the Detroit Red Wings. They are in one of the wild card spots in the uh, Eastern Conference at the moment. And last night was a bit of a litmus test for this club. The South admitted, they said, when they faced the Maple Leafs, and they gave a really good account of themselves, AJ. They lost 4-2, to two, but they outshot and outplayed the Leafs for stretches in this game. That showed me that this team is close to being a real serious contender. There's a lot of reasons why. They've got a nice tandem in the Nets, though. Billy Huso's kind of distanced himself ahead of Alex Nedeljkovic in that matchup. But I, those are two fine young goalies, and, and that's where it starts for me. And then on defense, they've got two offensive pieces that are, are leading the scoring on the back end. Philip Kronick kind of over, overshadowing Moritz Sider, who was last year's Rookie of the Year, and has continued a torrid pace. He's got 18 points in 21 games so far, along with a plus 10 rating. So doing it at both ends of the ice and a guy who was not very highly regarded because he was being usurped by Cider and what he did in his rookie campaign. The concern for Cider, though, is a minus 10 rating. We mentioned plus 10 for Peronic. So there's a bit of concern with uh, how he's handling things on the five-on-five Cider is. And uh, there's a bit of a struggle there right now as that's the worst mark on the club when you look at it in, in depth. So... Uh, Spocky and I there uh, for me. Uh, in terms of other players who are making a notorious contribution, I think Adam Ernie and Andrew Kopp are two guys that are big in terms of size and, and physicality with the way they play, but they're also chipping in with points with Cop uh, with 11 points and Ernie with 10. That's a heck of an advantage if you can get scoring and physicality out of players these days when most of the, most of the teams don't have that much truculence in their lineup. I'll use Brian Burke's word, but uh, the Red Wings are upwardly mobile because they have some big forwards who can provide some scoring. I'll even add Michael Rasmussen, a six foot six forward who's got nine points in 19 games played. So you're looking up when you play the Red Wings right now. If I told you that, uh, the you know, to guess who had the most goals for Edmonton in the last week, most likely your answer would be Connor McDavid, maybe Leon Dreisaitl, perhaps even Ryan Nugent Hopkins. But I would be shocked if anybody said Evan Bouchard was going to be the name for their leading goal scorer this last week. But that was the case. He picked up three goals. McDavid certainly still producing four assists or four uh, points in those three games. Uh you know, both, uh, you know, Nugent Hopkins with two points. So this isn't to knock those guys uh, underproducing, just speaking to the standout performance this last week by Evan Bouchard. Not necessarily a trend that I would expect to continue for him. Uh, he uh, does have a little bit of offensive game that he's been showing lately. Uh, he's got an overall four points in his last four games. But at some point here, I would expect him to kind of cool a little bit and for that production to taper off. And then of course the big news uh, or storyline that you're going to continue to see out of Edmonton is who's getting the most starts between the pipes here. Uh, Stuart Skinner was benched 
Uh, well, maybe not bench, but they went with Jack Campbell over Stuart Skinner for two games after Skinner gave up five goals to the New Jersey Devils. He bounced back last uh, last night against Florida with a win for them. So I think you'll continue to see these two ping pong back and forth unless one of them can really do something impressive to separate himself from the other one. AJ in Florida, the team that was at the top of the standings last year has only won two of their last seven games in regulation this uh, past two weeks. And big reason why is they're not getting the goaltending that they needed. And then they thought might, they might get with the tandem of Spencer Knight and Sergey Bobrovsky. Most of the heat is going to Bobrovsky's way though. Right now as his numbers have really slipped 363, the goals against average 88.8% the save percentage right now. We got uh, our stats show that Spencer Knight has actually appeared in more games than Bobrovsky. And he's performed a lot better with a 275 goals against and a 91 0.4 save percentage. They are also struggling without their number one center right now. Alex Barkov is considered day-to-day with a hurt, and he's out for the start of a road trip. It's an illness. It's not a physical disability more than that. He's got 18 points to his record in 19 games played, but uh, missed a few starts and may miss a couple more. And uh, that's bad news for this club that's forced to shuffle things around. Consider that they now have to put Nick Cousins on the top line alongside Matthew Tuchuk and Sam Bennett. And on the second line, Anton Lundell is now working with Sam Reinhardt and Carter Verhage, but Lundell at least has chipped in offensively with three goals to lead the pack. Uh, and then Aaron Ekblad has come back to the lineup after his uh, injury troubles. He's got five points to lead the offense last week. Matthew Tuchuk has got this date circled on his calendar because he faces his old team tonight. I can't wait to see what that looks like. Uh, but he had four more points to continue a strong early start and tip the scales really in Florida's favor, which was a surprise to me. If you're looking at the trade they made with Calgary, he's far outclassing Jonathan Huberto right now. And even the contribution that the defenseman is making in Calgary uh, who came along in that trip. So it still looks good for, for what Florida received. They've got a star who is uh, flying right now. And uh, I wonder how much money he puts on the board tonight. That'll be an interesting sidebar. Uh, for the for the Kings, just a pretty even week for them. One one and one was the record. Uh, losses to the Rangers, which you know that happens. Rangers are a pretty good team. They get the win over San Jose. Maybe you could point to some disappointment losing to Ottawa in overtime here. Um, but overall, just a steady even week. You look at the producers. It's Kevin Fiala with four points. Arthur Kaliev with three. Victor Arvidsson with three. Philip Deneau with three as well. So. Uh, again, just kind of an even keel week for them. They're going to continue to be in the playoff hunt here uh, in in their division. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, pretty decent uh, numbers overall when you consider uh, that they're sitting in a playoff spot third right now in the Pacific. Obviously, Edmonton is going to be right behind them. Calgary as well, trying to chase them down. Um, but they're, they're just going to kind of plug along and continue to churn along, I think, for the upcoming weeks here. In uh, in Minnesota, we might have another goalie uh, battle brewing with Marc-Andre Fleury back in the fold. He took the last two starts for his club last week with middling results, a total of seven goals against. Philip Gustafsson has performed admirably well. Fleury's been dealing with some injury concerns early in the season and has actually outperformed the 37-year-old. But I expect Fleury to get the lion's share of the goaltending assignments going forward for a little while to see if he can get sorted out and find his groove and... Uh, 
a top level that would make him one of the top considerations among goalies in the NHL once again. He's that good, folks, and he's that good still, in my opinion. Up front, in front of them, uh, they've got the offense clicking along with a couple of guys uh, at a point-per-game pace. In fact, Kirill Kaprasov bent on being one of the leading point-getters in the league once again, it seems, with 27 points in 21 games played. Joel Eriksson Ek is a guy that we didn't think was going to perform as well as he has. He's got 17 points in 21 games played to boost that offense. Kale Addison's kind of slowed down offensively. He's still got 11 points in the 21 games, as we highlighted off the top. But just like... Uh, most rookie defensemen, they kind of find uh, troubles in the, at the other end of the ice. We cited Moritz Sider. Cale Addison is another guy with a minus nine alongside his name that's worst on his club as well. So there's something to be said for a defenseman coming to this league and look after both ends of the ice. Addison could certainly uh, look alongside and see what Jared Spurgeon is doing. The captain of the club here, a plus 11, despite the fact he's not the biggest guy around. And uh, he yet he is one of the most solid two-way defenders in hockey. Uh, he's got only seven points so far this year. I expect that number to rise uh, versus his games played. He's got only one in every three, it seems. But I think this is a guy you can point to at a 40-45 point pace. So if he's available or if some some other team is down on him in your fantasy hockey league, that's a guy that I would target and trade to acquire because this is a team, I think, that's going to be there at the end uh, of the regular season in a playoff spot. Well, apparently, Paul, we've reached the goalie portion of the show as uh, things are a bit unsettled in Montreal as well. You look at Jake Allen's last uh, four starts. He's given up four or more goals, including that seven spot I talked about earlier to Buffalo. And so last two games, they've gone with Sammy Montembeau between the pipes, and he looked pretty good when you consider wins in both contests. 1.44 1.44 was the goals against average. 9.52 was the save percentage. Now, Jake Allen is going to get the start tonight, but I think if he comes out and throws up another stinker here for them, we could see a shift here over their next couple of games where Montembeau is going to get a bigger portion of the workload. Uh, it's San Jose tonight, and then they're at Calgary, at Edmonton, at Vancouver, at Seattle. Um, so four kind of road games uh, on the western uh, side of of North America here. So I would expect maybe if Allen doesn't come out and perform tonight that we see maybe Mountain Bow even gets upwards of three of those games uh, heading into this next week. Might be worth checking on in your season-long leagues. Maybe he's available, maybe not. Um, but I would watch tonight's game, and if it goes south for Allen, maybe consider trying to find a spot for Santa Mountain Bow on your roster if you need some goalie help. Well, in New Jersey, the thought was they might need some goalie help when Mackenzie Blackwood went down, but Vitek Vanasek has certainly answered the bell, AJ. Uh, 211 goals against average in 15 appearances, 11 wins, 2 losses, the record. Uh, I was also interested to see how this team would react after finally seeing their winning streak snap. What they did was they reeled off three more wins and allowed only five goals against, so the defensive structure is really intact over here and, and looking very good despite the fact they're missing one of their top two goalies, as I mentioned. Uh, they're getting a lot of great work at both ends of the ice from their defense, and the offense is just tick, uh, ticking along. Uh, they got two guys already with double figures and goals, and Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, you figured that they would be at the top of the scoring, but uh, Igor Sharangovich is a guy that gets overlooked when you think about the scoring possibilities for this team. He is a guy that had a breakout campaign last year, and he seems to have picked up right where he left off. He's fourth in the team scoring and Jesper Bratt is the guy that's had the breakout campaign offensively here. He is right there at the top of the scoring list 
for this club with 26 points, including 18 helpers. One of the best playmaking wingers, it seems, in the NHL right now. In Nashville, Yuso Parsinian uh, continues to be the kind of story here, has been playing in a first-line center role since being recalled. Now, he doesn't have any points in the last two games, but I think it's important to note he's had five shots combined in those two contests, so still getting some opportunities. The minutes haven't significantly dipped, other than the fact that against Detroit, less than a minute of power play ice time, so maybe they're considering uh, doing something different here. But um, the fact that he's still shooting the puck, if if I'm (laughs) coaching this team, which of course I'm not, I would consider giving him a little bit longer leash. I think he earned it with how he came into the league with three goals and two helpers in his first four games. I think it would be too soon to just immediately pull the 21-year-old off that first line or even consider sending him uh, back to back to the minors here. But give him a little bit of lead because I think he's earned that uh, that right to at least get a chance before they just quickly ship him back to Milwaukee. And in the New York Islanders situation, they're really uh- – reeled off four wins in a row and are riding a, that hot streak with on the, on the heels of some great work by Ilya Sorokin, who's thrust himself in early on into the Vezina Trophy race alongside the cross-state rival uh, in New York in, uh, in the Rangers uniform. We'll talk about him often, that's Shesterkin for the Rangers. But Sorokin has been a tower of consistency so far in the uh, in the Islanders' circumstances. He's put up some great numbers, 219, the goals against, 93.3 save percentage, and that's resulted in 10 wins versus five losses for him. The offense, though, is also doing its part. We talk about Matt Barzal and his Cy Young numbers in reverse with only two goals and 23 assists. Finally found the net. He got both goals in one game, I think, actually. And uh, partner with Brock Nelson, we've talked about the dynamic duo at center, but around them, they've got some guys that are also pulling on the rope. And Anders Lee, the captain here, is right behind them with 19 points. Noah Dobson has uh, more goals and some defense groups uh, on the season to date with six already in the bank. Oliver Wallstrom and J.G. Paggio, though, are the guys that are making contributions of note. Wallstrom has parlayed his six goals and 12 points into a first-line role here. So he's kind of a sneaky good DFS value play here. And uh, Anthony Beauvillier might fill the same role in the second unit, a guy that you don't think about when you think about Brock Nelson and Anders Lee. He's the third guy in that group and uh, has an overtime goal to his ledger, and he's got five on the year as well. Well, you mentioned or at least alluded to Igor Shesterkin of the Rangers here. Um, you know, overall in the season, 10, 4, and 3, 2.58, the goals against average, 17 games played out of a total of 23. And if you carry that forward for the entire season, you're looking at just right around a 60-game pace for him. Now, of course, uh, looking at this last week, those numbers haven't been quite as impressive. One and two was the record in three outings, 0.897, the save percentage. The only thing, uh, you know, worse than that are the numbers by Yaroslav Halak, who lost his only appearance with an 8.64 save percentage here. So Halak has done nothing really to show he should get more opportunities here. Obviously, Shesterkin coming off a fantastic season last year. They're obvious, you know, they're not going to just pull him for a couple of bad outings, and neither should you if he's on your fantasy team here. But something to keep an eye on that he's had a a couple hiccups here. Now they have been against Edmonton, New Jersey, and LA, all quality teams who have some offensive talent. So uh, let it ride here. Don't panic. Uh, I think that would be the message to both fantasy players 
and the Rangers. I think you could almost apply the same thing to Ottawa as a couple of uh, their goalies are also making news for different reasons. Anton Forsberg dealing with injuries. He's considered day-to-day at the moment, though. He's missed the last three games, but should be back in the fold. But in his absence, Cam Talbot has shown why the the Senators took a a shot at getting him into their group. Uh, In the last five games, a total of 10 Goals against, that's outstanding. If he can keep that rate up, he's going to be right there with Shesterkin and Sorokin. But uh, I don't expect that to be the case, though. But in the short run, he certainly has dragged this team along to uh, more successful times than they had earlier in the campaign. And they'll be counting on that tandem to be the backbone of this club, to have any chance to contend. They're going to need performances, though, from the rest of their roster. They have to be heartened by the fact that Thomas Shabbat is back in the fold and picked up three points last week to show fans that their top top defenseman is ready to take on that heavy workload and be the linchpin on uh, much of the back the offense from the back end in Philadelphia they are mired in a 10 game winless streak their last victory coming November 8th against the St. Louis Blues Uh, so obviously things not going well there Uh, the injuries no doubt are a factor here I mean you're looking at Cam Ackness Atkinson Travis Konechny Scott Lawton Wade Allison James Van Riemsdyk Sean Couturier who we're not expecting back uh, until February at the earliest. And then, of course, Ryan Ellis. Tony D'Angelo is dealing with an injury and is going to be a game-time decision tonight as well. So that's clearly been a big factor for them uh, on the injury front, You know, fa- um, playing into this 10-game losing streak. We've seen a little bit more Felix Sandstrom this last week. Uh, started twice, uh, 8-7-3. His save percentage, Carter Hart's lone appearance, uh, was the save percentage. Pretty disastrous outing for Carter Hart. Now, Hart is going to get the start tonight. So, obviously, they're not fully bailing on him. But with the fact that he's been struggling so much of late, uh, we might see a little bit more Sandstrom. In fact, Hart just one win in his last 10 appearances, 1-5-4, the record over that stretch. And we've reached the point in the show where we take a bit of a break and AJ gets his thoughts uh, on the Pittsburgh Penguins aligned. And I'm thinking that he's got to be very happy that Malkin and, and Latang were re-upped here because they are some of the best news that's happening on the Penguins roster. But there are some concerns. I can't wait to, for him to go through his thoughts here in, on the Penguins. But let's take a pause to give our sponsors some airtime too. We'll be back with some news and notes from around the league, from the rest of the clubs that we haven't covered yet. You've been listening to Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Well, we're back for the remaining portion of RotoWire's podcast this week. We recorded it a li- we're recording it a little bit earlier this week because of a World Cup commitment that my co-host has with the U.S. soccer game on tap for today. Wishing our uh, friends from the South a good result in that in the offing. There, it's too bad that Canada's already been eliminated. But I'll throw my allegiance behind the red, white, and blue for the remainder of the tournament as long as they survive. And uh, they're in tough today with a tough assignment. But, A.J., you tell me if they get a result, they're going to advance. Why don't you tell us also a little bit about our main sponsor at Caesars and then come back with a weekly reminder about how our listeners can get back in touch with us. Yeah, as Paul mentioned, World Cup in full swing. 
Right now, uh, final group stage matches going to be played this week. Of course, NFL, NHL, NBA, all on the move. Of course, if you want, there's uh, you know season long uh, MLB uh, bets that are out there and available. So really, it is the best time to try Caesar Sportsbook. Today, anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesar Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesar Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com sportsbook or download the Caesar Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. And then, of course, Paul, as you mentioned, uh, best way to interact with us and get our thoughts on all things sports is over on Twitter. You can follow me at AJScholes24, and you can reach Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. We'd love to hear from you and uh, discuss whatever sports topics uh, you might fancy. Well, AJ, probably not going to fancy the next comment I'm going to make, but we talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. I look at their schedule, and I look at the last two losses. They came against the Maple Leafs, so uh, I'm smiling, and you're not because of those two game results right in, Pip. And they weren't very close games either by a total of 9 to three-year team was outscored so I'll leave that in the ether for you to consider but uh, sandwiched around those two losses were five wins that had to make you feel a lot better than the two losses for sure and like I said uh, the veterans are the guys that are, are delivering the mail for this club right now but what else is happening in Pitt that has caught your eye on last week? Yeah, I think one of the more uh, surprising things that's happened uh, has been the uh, the fourth line really stepping up and uh, it can't be undersold how much that factors into Teddy Bluger getting healthy and coming back into the lineup. You look at this last week, three assists by Bluger. Ryan Pooling gets two goals. Josh Archibald with two points. Um, so this fourth line is starting to produce, uh, which is good news for the Penguins that they don't have to rely too much on the top of the lineup here. Injury concerns, uh, there haven't really been any right now. I'm going to knock on wood um, that I avoid <laughs> jinxing anything here. Kasperi Kapanen in and out of the lineup. Looks like he's going to get uh, back in tonight in favor of Danton Heinen. There's a little bit of shift around here. Tristan Jari has started to find his stride. He's got four wins in a row and has given up other than um, – uh, just just two goals in his last three games. So, yeah, you can talk all you want about Toronto winning a game, but you were facing the backup on the second night of a back-to-back. So, you know, take it for what it is, Paul, whatever you want to um, say there. Uh, you can have your win over, t- uh, you know, Casey DeSmith. Um, but, yeah, Tristan Jari looking good, which is obviously good news for the Penguins as well. And what about your uh, your views on the Seattle club? Let's get back in order now that I gave you a chance to rant on, <laughs> on the Penguins. For sure, for sure, yeah. So Seattle um, really uh, looking pretty strong. Uh, Five-game winning streak. We look over at the rankings, and they're sitting second in the Pacific right now, um, pretty far behind Vegas. Vegas out to a pretty strong lead. They're, they're six points behind them, although technically Seattle's played three less games. So if they could win – all those games, suddenly uh, you're you're tied there uh, with Vegas. But Seattle obviously putting itself in contention for a playoff spot. We talked about Matty Beneers at the top of the show. He continues to look really good. Martin Jones, uh, nine goals allowed in, in just two wins this last week. Production across the board, Burakovsky, 
uh, with six points, Donato with three, Dunn with three, Schwartz with three. So, um, you know, other than really uh, Beniers, that they've had more spread out offense on this team. There's not any one person that's really having to carry the load for them right now. I think that bodes well for them to produce uh, heading into the, the rest of the season here. In uh, San Jose, this is a team that's lost 10 of their last 14 games. They had a tough time keeping the puck out of their net, and it's not going to get any better when you consider the news that James Reimer was placed on the IR. I don't think it's a long-term situation, AJ, but it certainly puts the, the spotlight on Capo Kakinen and Aaron Dell, who's bounced up and down between the main roster and the AHL for a couple of seasons now. And uh, they got a back-to-back tonight and tomorrow that's in Canada. And uh, I don't like their chances in either game just because of the way that the team is lining up in front of them right now. They're not getting a lot of good uh, good work beyond the top top two lines. They're not getting a thing from their third and fourth lines. So it's really a mismatch waiting to happen for teams that are deeper than them up front. Certainly, if you want to look at bright signs, you can point to the fact that the veterans are continuing to deliver on a weekly basis. Eric Carlson's having a magnificent comeback campaign. Three more assists added to hit his totals. But uh, Couture, Barabanov, Hurdle, and Meyer, those guys are the names that have been doing all the scoring. Timo Meyer leading the offense with three goals and one assist. You wonder whether he's long for this team going forward. It seems like they've got a rebuild that, that has to take place. Maybe they've got to find a way... To, to get uh, some some younger assets in the fold and consider uh, that rebuild opportunity that, that is right right in front of them right now. I don't think they're going anywhere. they got to draw that line in the sand and say, you know what, well, let's try and get some some good uh, resources in the, in the organization for some of these guys, these veterans that are continuing to put up some numbers here. Well, some injury concerns for uh, the St. Louis Blues here. Robert Thomas missed their last game with uh, a, a lower body injury. They are calling him day to day, so it could be back um, before too long, but obviously something to watch for, and it's kind of shuffled things up. So their top six right now looks like Brandon Saad, Ryan O'Reilly, and Josh Levo on the right wing, and then Pavel Buchnevis, Ivan Barbashev, who seems to bounce betwi- between center and wing, depending on what they need, and Vladimir Tarasenko rounding out the second line. So, um, you know, some shuffles along here. I'll give a plug for rotowire.com where you can see our depth charts. We are constantly tweaking and changing these based on game day skates and line combinations that are used both then and in warm up so you know where your guy is going to fit in. For example, right now, uh, the Blues going with seven defensemen. So we've got Callie Rosen in a, a wing spot right now to indicate that. Um, with with Thomas out. So something to keep an eye on is whether or not Thomas is going to be out long term. They've got uh, production from uh, some of their their key guys here. Buchnevis, who I mentioned, four points. Jordan Cairo getting five points this last week. Brendan Saad with three. Um, Robert Thomas did have three assists in three games before picking up that injury. AJ, in Tampa, it's kind of a good news, bad news situation. When you look at this team over the last two weeks, they've certainly won six of their last seven games. But in four of those games, they've given up at least four goals, uh, three goals against. And that's very unusual for this club. So they've got to be concerned about that side of the game. They have to be happy, though, with the fact that Mikhail Sergachev has gone off and uh, 
offensively with 22 points in 21 games played. That kind of cushions the blow that they must feel with Victor Hedman off his offensive game with only one goal and 10 points overall. I mean, if you close your eyes and you, and you listen to those numbers without the names, you would have thought maybe I had them backwards. But the fact is the young guy is the one that's doing the heavy lifting offensively. Certainly, uh, Hedman is still a plus player in terms of plus minus and is still a workhorse. And I expect him to start piling up the offense as well going forward. So don't don't be too alarmed if you're an owner of his. Uh, he'll be back uh, among the leaders in the near term, I do believe. They also have to be thrilled that they took a, a leap of faith and signed Nick Paul to a long-term deal, AJ. And uh, when, I, when they signed it, I thought that was a little bit more of a commitment than I thought this guy merited. But look what he's done in the early going with nine goals and seven assists in 21 games played. He's on pace for a career high in points. And I know firsthand what this guy can do on the defensive side of the puck. That's the tale is told with a plus 14 that leads this squad overall. So, again, a shrewd move by by uh, the Tampa management here to sign up a guy who they figure will be a big piece of this club for a long time going forward. Well, now, I want to give you a chance, AJ. Sorry to cut you off. I want to give you a chance. You saw the Maple Leafs play twice in the last week and a half. Uh, a couple of words about this, my favorite club, before I, I fill in the blanks, let's say. Yeah, I was just going to, just looking at their, their record in their last nine games, obviously four-game uh, four winning streak right now. Their only losses in those last nine games have come in overtime. So getting themselves at least a point in nine straight games um, and, and wins over some decent clubs. You've got wins over Minnesota, the two Pittsburgh wins, uh, the the Devils. Um, so they're they're beating some some good teams, uh, able to at least get themselves that that overtime point uh, if needed in their last nine games. So looking pretty good right now. Paul, why are they looking so good? Because it's November, and that's when this team shines. <laughs> Every bloody November, they go on a tear. It seems last year they did the same thing. I just wish they could bottle it and show up again in late April and early May for a change. To, to flip that script. But uh, in terms of what's happening lately, Matt Murray's been the big, big star for me, AJ. This guy has made big save after big save and key moments in much of the games in this streak. Three more wins under his belt with six goals against uh, as the total. And a couple of those were in what I would consider garbage time. So the numbers should be even better than they are. Uh, the other guy that's uh, sharing the limelight with him right now, Mitch Marner on a 17 game point streak. That's, consecutive games and that's one shy of the club record which he hopes to to tie tomorrow when they host san jose and come back from this road trip where they swept for four games they're the only team in the league with four players with 25 or more points at this stage in the season and all of those guys had big weeks but also a couple of guys that caught my eye michael bunting is a guy that uh, has been riding shotgun in top six situations in the last since he arrived here in Toronto and he's looked really good doing it and he's due for a raise too he's getting less than a million dollars on an expiring contract this year I think he's going to hit the pay window hard but I think he really likes it here in Toronto so maybe he does give the team a break I'm hearing talk of a long-term deal something like what Nick Paul has done and off what I've seen I'd sign him to that right away and uh, another guy that merits some thought is Pontus Holmberg uh, the third line center role for Toronto has been up for grabs for much of the season. I thought Alex Kerfoot would be ticketed for that assignment, but he's been bouncing around the lineup and looking terrible doing it. Meanwhile, Holmberg had a couple more goals last week and earned the praise of, of our head coach, Sheldon Keefe, who says this guy is always in a good position defensively, and his, his totals reflect that. He's He's been... Uh, 
the key element on the third line and in the checking role that they've had much of the time that he's been up with the big club in the last couple of weeks. Now we'll turn my, our, my attention to the Vancouver Canucks, a team that is not playing as well as either the Tampa Lightning or the Maple Leafs. The Canucks are a team that are mired in, in a, a, were mired in a bit of a slide early in the season. They've righted themselves of late with five wins in their last six starts. So maybe they have turned the corner, but I think there's still some concern in the net mining situation there. Thatcher Demko is off his uh, form. He's got a 380 goals against average, an 880 five save percentage, those numbers are way off what was expected of him. And that's really where the troubles begin here for this club. They have given up over three and a half goals per game. And so there really is a lot of pressure on them to get the defensive side of the puck right because offensively, they've got no complaint. They've got five guys with over 20 points offensively. They have to be thrilled that one of them is Andre Kuzmenko. That's found money because this is a guy that uh, came from overseas and uh, has 21 points in 21 games played and looks like a real good fit on their top six uh, forwards. And then they have to be thrilled also that Elias Pettersson has rediscovered his form from a couple of years ago and is leading the club with 27 points in 22 games played. But all of those offensive mathematics don't mean crap, AJ, until they can solve their troubles defensively. And there's a mid full of those. Over in Vegas, uh, you know, a bit of a continued inconsistency for Logan Thompson here. You look at his last four games, he's got one goal allowed against Ottawa, two go- just two goals allowed against Columbus, but then he faces uh, Vancouver twice, actually, and gives up nine goals uh, in those two games against Vancouver. So maybe it's just Vancouver has his number, but um, you definitely look over the season you know, you'll see big performances, 29 saves, shutout, 27 save shutouts, but then these four goal allow games. Um, fortunately for him, in several of those, his offense has bailed him out and he's been able to continue to rack up wins. As I mentioned, the inconsistency in his last four, well, he went three and one in those contests. So playing in that kind of good enough to get by some of those guys on the offense that have bailed him out of late are William Carlson, two goals and one assist. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault, one goal, two helpers. Shea Theodore with a trio of assists. Um, so they're they're getting some production. Uh, Mark Stone, Phil Kessel, both with each a goal in those last four games. So not really uh, what you're hoping for in terms of then. Chandler Stevenson, zero points in his last, uh, his last four games uh, this past week. So not a whole lot going on there. You have to wonder how long he can hold on to that top line role. In addition to the four game pointless streak, he's on a nine game goal drought right now. Uh, So at some point you have to imagine somebody else will slide into that first line spot alongside Eichel and stone, whether it's March assault, maybe they give Phil Kessel a look there. I think William carrier could be an option as well. Um, So they'll have to try and see what they can do to get some production out of that first line. You know, for me, the Washington story is starting to look like how the mighty have fallen a little bit, AJ. They're perennial contenders and always in the chase for a playoff spot. They're in tough right now. They've only won four of the last 14 games in regulation time. What's left for them to talk about is Alex Ovechkin's scoring exploits. He once again leads this club offensively with 21 points, including 11 goals, and closing in on Gretzky with every marker. And he's actually closing in on Gordy Howe for second place overall in the all-time scoring list. So right now that's kind of been the fan focus in in Washington. But they have to be concerned about the fact 
that uh, Dylan Strom has actually outplayed Evgeny Kuznetsov at center, and uh, Nicholas Backstrom is nowhere to be found. But there is some good news for him uh, right now. He's just started to resume skating, uh, uh, recovering from a hip injury. There was some concern, real concern, that he might be done, AJ. But that sighting on the ice recently has kind of uh, picked up the team's spirits, I think. They can safely say that if they can get one of their team leaders back in the fold, that would be a real boon for this club's fortunes. Uh, a pivot point maybe in the fortunes that they've they've seen so far to date. So uh, hope is on the horizon. They have to hope it's real, though, uh, with Backstrom's return to uh, solidify the top six offensively here. Well, I'll start with the good news for Winnipeg. In their last 10 games, they are 7-3. and three. You've got a really good stretch going on right now, courtesy of Connor Hellyabuck. Uh, you know, looking at this past week, 2-1 and one was the record. A little bit high in the goals against average at 399. You'd obviously like to bring that down, but still getting the pair of wins. What's interesting about this uh, recent run of form for them is you've got Mark Shifley with just one point in his last five games. Really low production for him. And then you combine that with the fact that Blake Wheeler hasn't looked significantly better, um, at least in terms of goal scoring. He's got six assists in his last six games, so that certainly looks fine. But no goals over that stretch. Perhaps more concerning, just seven shots on goal. So um, a bit of a confusing lineup that they've got going on right now when you consider that they're two veteran longtime producers for this team, you know, 90 points every year, pushing 100, Shifley and Wheeler, really not doing a whole lot at this point, but the wins are still coming. Connor Hellybuck, as I said, his number's uh, a little bit higher than you would expect for him, but of course still picking up the wins and he'll get the start tonight against the avalanche. That won't be an easy out for him. He'll have to try and figure out how to stymie that high powered offense. All right, AJ, we've got a bunch of games to go through on the DraftKings sportsbook segment of our show. That's uh, before us right now. So I'll take us into that with the first game that you'll be watching very closely. Carolina visits the penguins in a key divisional matchup. I've look at, I've spoken about the fact that, the Penguins have only lost to the Maple Leafs tonight, so that's good news for you. Not They're not facing them. They're instead facing a Carolina club that's been decimated by injury, and that's with the loss of uh, Freddie Anderson. And uh, they're going to have to make do with one of their second or third best options there. Not a good thing against the Pittsburgh club that has their veteran guys leading them offensively. And that's why I like the Penguins tonight on the puck line at plus 200. I'm not reading from your notes, AJ. I, I shelved them, but I think you might feel the same way, that that plus 200 is just too inviting and too good a, a number to pass on when you consider the Penguins are way better than Carolina's been in the last 10 games played. So I look for the home side to prevail tonight and do it rather handily. Well, I like not having to correct you when you're wrong, Paul. So we'll keep rolling into the next uh, game here. Looking at the Lightning and Boston. Boston, the heavy favorites on the money line, minus 175. You've got the total set at six. Um, and then Boston, minus a goal and a half, comes in at plus 140 on the puck line. Um, I like just taking the Lightning in this one. I, I know how good Boston has been this season, but you're getting plus 150 value on the Lightning on the money line here. Um, if you're looking at the total, the under comes in at plus 110. I think that's a good spot as well. You've had decent goaltending from both clubs here. Now, Boston not ready to commit to either Omark or Swayman tonight. They're, they're going to play that one close to the vest, so we won't know until closer to warmups. But regardless, I like just 
solely based on the value you're getting here and the fact that they are still a really good team. I like getting the Lightning at plus 150. I'm looking at the Sharks game visiting Montreal, as I suggested. I think they've been in trouble for a while, and that's going to get worse this week with a Canadian Eastern Canadian road swing. I'm looking at the over-under situation here. It's at plus 100 for the over. I'd go to the, see if I can find an alternate number higher than that, go up above seven, even eight goals to get a more favorable payout. But if you're looking at the winning team too, I like Montreal's chances of prevailing here against a Sharks team that's been giving a lot of offense up off, uh, a lot of goals against uh, rather. And uh, the Canadians aren't much better in that category, though Sam Montable has stabilized things a little bit. Uh, plus 220 on the puck line, another inviting number for me for the home team. Well, in the Islanders against Flyers matchup, you've got the Islanders favored on the money line, minus 195. Uh, and then on the puck line, minus a goal and a half comes in at plus 140 for the Islanders. But where I'd like to target this game is the total. It's sitting at five and a half right now, and you can get over that five and a half at minus 110. Pretty decent value. I know the Islanders are thought of as more of a defensively minded club, um, but the Flyers have really been struggling in terms of goals allowed this season. Um, They've been not performing real well of late. Like I said, you look um, at those numbers, it's just not good uh, for for, uh, the Flyers of late. So the fact that the total is sitting so low at five and a half, I like targeting the over in this one. And then we got Colorado-Winnipeg tangling tonight, AJ. And in that game, I'm taking Colorado all the way. I know that the uh, the Jets have played better uh, of late. They're 7-3. and three. Colorado's 8-2, and two, though. They've done them one better. So I like Colorado on the puck line at plus 190. This is still the defending Stanley Cup champions, after all. And the Jets have uh, kind of mixed and matched their top six uh, I know Colorado's missing, missing a couple of pieces there, but I just think they still have too much talent. I think they're going to run over the Jets tonight, in fact, pretty good. Looking at the Ducks-Predators matchup here, the Ducks head into Music City here, um, and that alone speaks to where I think this game will go. First, I'll give you the, the lines here. Predators, heavy favorites, minus 230. And even on the puck line, you're only getting them at plus 105. Uh, the over here set at six and a half. Look, Nashville, pretty decent at home right now. Not as good as they have been in previous years, but six, three and two. Meanwhile, Anaheim just two, nine and one on the road. So I think you target the Predators here. There's not enough value on the money line. So look to the puck line. Yeah, you have to give up a goal and a half, but you're getting pretty much even money on the Predators there and can get some value out of them. And uh, I spoke about the struggles in Calgary of late and, uh, not a good time for them to be facing the Florida Panthers, a team that's also not playing their best hockey. But of the two, I don't think there's any doubt that Calgary has more troubles than the Panthers right now. I know Panthers will be without their top center, but Matthew Tuchuk is going to fire this club up before the game. And I know he's put a ton of money on the board. Uh, that That's a reference I've made a couple of times. Typically what it means is that player wants to give away some money to a teammate who produces the winning goal here. So there'll be an added incentive for the Florida attackers to do their thing against a Calgary club whose goaltending has been middling of late. And uh, that's the big concern for me. Their goaltending has been under par and Jonathan Huberto not playing anywhere near as well as, as uh, his uh, uh, Florida counterpart. So I think Florida gets the big edge here for me as the road warriors. And on the, on the money line, I take them at a plus 135 with uh, a really good chance to get that win in my pocket. 
Well, to add to that, Paul, Matthew Chichuk comes in plus 160 goal scoring odds in that game. I think that's a good uh, player prop to take uh, to take there over in uh, the Washington Vancouver matchup. You've got the Canucks minus 120, the over uh, under set at six and a half and then Vancouver on the puck line plus 200. Do I think Vancouver can beat the Washington Capitals by two goals? Maybe not, but I would consider taking them on the money line when you consider the fact that they are on a three-game winning streak right now. Six and four is the record for the last 10 games, so I think it's a good spot to be in um, and take Vancouver just straight up on the money line when you can still get a decent return on investment there. Uh, We have spoken glowingly of the Seattle club, AJ. I didn't expect them to be a factor in the playoff race, but they certainly are, and they're doing it because they've got a ton of scoring going on up front. And uh, I think that's going to carry the day against Los Angeles. Uh, The firepower might just be too much for the homestanding Kings tonight. And it's a narrow favorite on the money line that I'm taking the Seattle club this evening. So that takes us through the plays that we expect on the DK Sportsbook. And uh, any final thoughts, AJ, before we sign off this week? I know you're anxious to get the the soccer game going today. Let's talk about that for a moment. What's the matchup? Who are they facing and and what do you think? Yeah, it's the United States against Iran in the the final matchup here. Iran just needs a draw and they'll be through. Uh, U.S. will have to play a little bit more aggressive. They have to win this game. So it could open things up. I would expect Iran probably just to sit back, um, play a much more defensive structure, maybe try and get a goal on the counterattack. But the U.S. should be pretty heavily aggressive um, because they need to win here. And A.J., I want to also give you a chance to plug a charity that you've been uh, working with for a number of years. And kudos to you. It was front and center in Toronto recently with the passing and suffering of uh, Venerable uh, Hall of Famer Boria Salming, who died from ALS uh, last complications last week. And uh, I want you to tell our listeners how they can help you help us get rid of this disease. Yeah, absolutely. For those of you watching, I'll lean into the camera a little bit. I've got my verse uh, verse ALS uh, uh, bandana on here for a number of years. I've been part of Team ALS uh, at the American Berkebiner, which is a 50-kilometer cross-country ski race. Of course, today is Giving Tuesday, uh, so opportunity to give to charities and support those people. I've pinned uh, the link on my Twitter account, again, at AJSholes24, where you can donate and join my support team. I'll do the hard part. I'll ski the cross-country ski race. Like I said, 50 kilometers takes me about six hours. And so then I just ask for your support to help fight against ALS and donate over there. Uh, like I said, that uh, link is pinned to my Twitter account one last time at AJ Scholes24. When is that race, AJ? Uh, end of February is the race, okay. so plenty of time. But figured I'd jump on the Giving Tuesday bandwagon here uh, and see if we can't drum up some support nice and early. We will hit that up regularly in upcoming episodes of uh, podcast, I promise you. And uh, I hope our listeners jump on board because I've seen the results of this thing up close and it ain't pretty and we got to get rid of it. So a bit of a downer note to end on, but let's uh, remind everybody to tune into the soccer game that's coming up. That's why we recorded this a little bit earlier. Good luck to the U.S. of A. And A.J., I hope you're all smiles at the end of this one. Thanks for listening to Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and A.J. folks. As always, we remind you that we're here to assist you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey, so we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can also follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJSholes24. 
We're back with you next Tuesday. We can't wait to talk more hockey with you. But in the meantime, enjoy the rest of the week. And uh, so long, everybody.